0: Good afternoon, patriots. This is Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today we'll talk about why the trusted plan failed, Democrats being too scared to go to work, and finish up with Dr. Seuss, all next on Living with Liberty. Dwight Eisenhower said plans are nothing. Planning is everything. Maybe the Q-wing should have heeded those words and what they mean. Trust the plan, they kept saying. The plan doesn't seem to have yielded any fruit, though. Why not? The reason is right there in Eisenhower's words of wisdom. Plans are nothing. Planning is everything. The actual plan doesn't mean much of anything. Plans change based on the conditions at the present. That is one of the fatal flaws of the Q plan. The plan was for Trump to win the election, and there was no way he was going to lose. So there were no plans put in place to address any contingencies. There's no contingency plan for actions to combat the communist regime of Beijing-Biden. All hope was placed in one man, leading to complacency, leading to just the call of trust the plan. Trust the plan and everything will be all right, was the mantra. The plan changed, and there was no ability to adapt to that change. This is where the other part of that quote comes in. Planning is everything. Why is planning everything? it forces you to think about those contingencies. If you don't think or engage in planning, you can't work intelligently on solutions for uh, any risks or mitigations or changes to that plan. You aren't ever going to be able to plan for every little nuance and contingency that comes along. But in the case of the Q plan and trusting the plan and Trump winning, it would have been fairly easy to put a game plan around Trump losing the election, and what that would actually mean going forward, as that was a potential outcome of the election. You know, statistically speaking, it, it was a fifty-fifty proposition. There was an equal chance of winning and losing, and, and in that instance, you're really sure going to want some sort of contingency plan in place to do a little bit of a, a what if. You know, what if Trump loses? What's our Our plan and actions need to be to combat what Joe Biden wanted to do. Now, think of it in this term. A football team goes into a game with a plan. The head coach creates his game plan based on the opponent week to week. But that plan is contingent on the starting quarterback not getting hurt. Now, how many times have you seen a team win the game after an injury knocks out the starting quarterback? Not very often. Why is that? There's no contingency planning by the head coach in that. Uh, in, in those instances, it all rests on the uh, starting QB staying healthy. There's no thought to giving uh, the backup any any uh, practice time with the starting offense. The, that backup gets few to no reps during the course of a, a game week with the starting offense and with the the game plan the coach wants to put in place. And the the backup QB is typically running the scout team that is emulating the opponent's offense in practice. So that's really what's on their mind, not the the their home team's uh, game plan. It's really they've got what the other team's going to do, since they're the ones trying to replicate that in practice. Now that's the Q plan in a nutshell. There's no planning for other uh, other possibilities. No backup plan for of any type for any actions that might be need to be taken to um, get a plan back on place or on pace. It, it it It's just not there. It was all contingent on QB1, him being Trump, winning the election. There was no thought he would lose. So there was no other plans in place. Now I work in planning for a living. Guess how many times my original plans worked out to the letter? Very few. Not many plans ever work out exactly as sketched out or thought of, especially ones with many variables to them and many inputs. Sometimes I've had to scrap entire plans and start over because of major shifts in conditions, or they were made on bad assumptions to begin with, and I had to to change them and come up with a new plan. Now, the other fatal flaw with the Q plan was the blind trust in it without being able to assess progress to the plan. Plans need to be measured for progress against them. That way, adjustments can be made if they are getting too far off track. What was the metrics used to assess the Q plan? Pedos rounded up? Converts to Q? How many had blind trust that Trump was going to win? What we need going forth is a plan, one that is clearly stated actionable objectives that we can measure progress against. I think that there are a number of Q folks out there hopping off of that bandwagon and that we need to welcome them back into the fold for our battle ahead. Some are going to stay in la-la land and keep insisting that Trump won and that John Roberts was on Epstein's plane to Petto Island. So be it. We aren't the Democrats. We won't normalize their behavior like the Democrats do with their fringe element. Outlets like the Associated Pravda will continue to find these people for interviews and then run the stories that try to paint all conservatives as unhinged conspiracy theorist lunatics. We will need to distance ourselves for as far as the East is from the West from the fringe. For anyone else, though, willing to take up a new plan and to do their part to execute it, let's welcome them in with open arms. Now, I'd like to propose what that new plan could look like and how we would measure success against it. The first thing is in election integrity. Call, email, and tag your elected officials and social media posts on this topic. Do these things regardless of party and position on election uh, reform. Go to saveourelections.com. There are seven policy recommendations And three policy rejections on that site that can be taken and used as the talking points in your communications with your elected officials. Maybe your state has legislation drafted already for election reform. Great! Still send the note in support of it with the policy ideas from uh, the Save Our Elections website, anyway. And then check in regularly on the progress. A lot of states, I'm guessing all of them, uh, in these days have on their website, a state legislature website, where you can go to uh, check out progress on bills and what bills have been put forth by either of the houses uh, that represent your state government. I know in Wisconsin here, we have uh, the website where we can see what Senate bills are out there, what assembly bills are out there, and, and what joint resolutions and committees and uh, audits are going on. Now, You also need to get other like-minded people to do the same as this. It's going to take all of us. It's going to take a number of us pushing this forward. I've mentioned before in previous episodes that sending an email is a good way to communicate, as you can pull it then from sent mail and send it again without having to rewrite the message. It makes it easy as you do that check-in and you're not seeing progress to send the email again. Um, Maybe you change a few words. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just send the email again. Just re- uh, reiterating your position and your support for election reform, that's totally fine too. Now we can measure success on this, and it's measured by bills getting written, getting heard and getting passed. Remember a, a plan you know to it needs to be able to have measurables, so we can adjust as necessary. We can physically see a bill get written. So that uh, is how we can track progress against this plan. And yes, there are states that have a red legislature and a blue governor's chair, and it's going to be a challenge to get those bills signed by the governor. In these instances, we need to make it known to those governors that if they want any hope of being reelected, they will need to sign the election reform bills. They will need to be in support of that, you know, and, and hit them with the same messaging as well as. The, the support and the policies that need to be in place so we can have confidence in our elections. Now, the second piece of our plan here is centered around cancel culture. The objective here is to negate its effects on the destruction of our society, really. Our plan of attack here needs to be a few things. Uh, first one is to stop allowing the wepo- weaponization of language by the left. We we need to not use the dumb, politically correct terminology that they uh, want to enforce on us. Washington's football team is the Redskins. Cleveland's baseball team is the Indians. If someone has parts that hang south of their equator, they are a man. If you don't, you're a woman, plain and simple. If we don't change the terms we use, if we use the terms we've always used and don't give in to the PC culture, it renders that uh, cancellation and, and usurping of the, the language meaningless. We can measure success here by how many people are speaking in the terms they wish to use, i.e., non politically correct terms. And we can also measure it by how many mermaid king queens were outraged because we called them by their biological pronoun instead of their preferred mermaid king queen pronoun. Now, third, We need to get kids back in school. Now, maybe the objective here is not so much getting them back into the public schools um, as much as it is to break the public school monopoly. This objective might be better served to be split out so we can align it to particular situations. If you can homeschool, do that. Pull your kids out of the public system forever. Many have done this already. And I believe many more will continue and have continued to do so. And after what we've seen from the teachers unions, uh, I don't think there's really much of a a doubt on what the right direction is as far as getting our kids good solid educations. Now, where homeschool isn't an option, pushing for school choice will be a viable alternative. maybe your area already has school choice, maybe your state already has school choice. Great, use it if you're not doing so already. Now a few cities in my area have taken this up another notch, uh, and this is part of state law. Uh, We have voucher programs here where parents can pull their kids out of public schools and send them to private ones on state money. And how that works is the state money that would have gone to the public school for that student is instead sent to the private institution they will be attending. So this is another option that that we can push for uh, in our quest to get better educational uh, resources and schools for our kids. Now we can measure success against this uh, in a couple ways. One is the continued declines in enrollment in public schools and with that, uh, our kids getting back in school of some form or fashion, or some alternative method of schooling. You know, th- this one's maybe a, l- a little less apt to be, you know, measured hard with hard numbers. It's and its uh, uh, kind of how we track it, but you know, it's, it's uh, the return of our kids' happiness and academic success. Now, we can certainly measure academic success. Their their grades are going to go up. Happiness is a little tougher, but I think we still can measure that in, uh, you know, starting to reverse the trend of of the you know the the kids' suicide rates and and uh, you know what we've seen just in their their general polls of saying how unhappy they are. You know, we'll, we'll see the trends there reverse as well. Now, all of these plans are admittedly both simultaneously simple and potentially hard to do. But they also have another thing in common. They do not hinge on a hope of a Savior swooping in and holding the line against some tyrannical government either. They are reliant on action and have measurable outcomes. They rely on action of the people. We have to do it. It's, we're not leaving it up to chance of an election or hoping someone comes in to save us. These plans will afford us the ability to change course if need be, because they don't rely on a blind trust of a plan. We have measurable outcomes and we can place contingency plans around around these to change course as necessary. You don't need a little orphan Annie decoder to know what the objective is. They are simple, straightforward and achievable if we all take action on pressuring our representatives and refusing to accept the stupidity of cancel culture. Now, stupidity is how I would describe my next topic. I guess the Democrats are too afraid to go to work today because of a supposed QAnon threat of storming the Capitol. This is nothing more than trying to set up a narrative to validate engaging in a hunt for domestic terrorists. These people, the Democrats, think we are stupid. Now, who in their right mind is going to storm Fort D.C.? The Capitol is still surrounded by National Guard's troops and a barbed wire fence that's eight feet high. Let's say there were a credible threat. Are we saying here, the Democrats anyway, are they saying they have no confidence that the National Guard is trained well enough and armed well enough to handle it? Do the Democrats really think that what likely would be a ragtag group of people have enough of a chance to overwhelm not only the National Guard troops stationed around D.C., uh, but the eight-foot-high barbed wire fence? Do they really think they can overcome that and breach the Capitol? Of course not. They saw to it that our capital city has become a militarized zone for their protection. This is just them setting up the stage for their future outrageous storylines. If there was so much online chatter on the cue boards, why wasn't the FBI checking it out? Why aren't perp walks happening? Why didn't perp walks happening? If March 4th was the date, there was plenty of time to do all this. It's because there is no credible threat, that's why. If there were, there would be arrests and investigations and perp walks all over the mainstream medium. And it would have all happened well ahead of today to ensure the threat was neutralized. Now for our final topic of the day, Dr. Seuss. What's Dr. Seuss's crime that he needs to be canceled? He's the wrong kind of liberal. That's what it is. Dr. Seuss' books are as anti-racist as they come. They were written to bring people together, to show we all aren't really that different after all. They were removed over racist and insensitive imagery. So what does that mean? What insensitive imagery would that be? The fuzzy, made-up creatures that were illustrated in Dr. Seuss's books? Guess who Seuss Enterprises consulted in this decision? teachers, academics, and specialists, in quotes. Now, two of the three you can bet are elitists, who have no grasp on reality, and teachers are maybe just doing whatever their union heads say. I highly doubt that had Seuss Enterprises gone to actual consumers of Dr. Seuss books, we'd be having this conversation right now. Dr. Seuss is a national treasure. This is one of those cancel culture topics that we have got to fight uh, back against. If the cancer that is cancel culture is going after Dr. Seuss and having success, then it is only a matter of time before they go after other national and cultural treasures of our society. And it will only serve to further embolden this cancel culture movement to demand even more outrageous things, and and demand more cancellations for even bigger and more outlandish reasons. I can only assume that there was some backlash received by Hasbro that caused them to backtrack a bit on their Mr. Potato Head fiasco. Let's apply that same pressure here and see if we can't counteract the canceling of these six Dr. Seuss Books. That's my show for today. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate a positive review if your listening platform allows for reviews. I'd also be grateful if you subscribed to the show and signed up for notifications. It helps us stay connected and will help more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending some of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. I would be grateful if you subscribed to my podcast and signed up for notifications. It'll help us stay connected. Follow me on my social media home on Parlor. My handle there is at Liberty. I am also on MeWe.com. I can be found by searching Living With Liberty, and I have a telegram channel. My handle there is at Living With Liberty. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.